The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. Importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo and help your organization move forward in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're absolutely in the right place. I can guarantee that. The buzz today, two little letters that say a lot. UX. We will explain. Let's get started. Did you know that one iPhone today, that's right, I said one iPhone, puts more computing power into the palm of your hand than all of MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, had just a few decades ago. Thinking about that, that is a huge amount of computing power in your hand. Well, augmenting this enormous power with near-constant connectivity, you know, wherever you go, there you are and you're connected, and expanding it to wearables and other fascinating innovations, at least I I think they're fascinating. The mobile revolution has radically redefined our relationship with technology, and that includes everyone. So let's talk about what's in fashion, using fashion in quotes. Lightweight, purpose-built apps, speed and availability, that's what we're looking for. What's out today? Monolithic apps, heavyweight program suites, perfection. Ooh, I know you want to hold on to that perfection. And comprehensiveness. I have a panel of experts who will help define and explain and bring you all on board with what's happening with this mobile revolution and UX. The experts speak. First up on the panel, I'd like to welcome Scott Bonnell. He's the Vice President of Corporate Development at Mocana. And Scott sent me the following quote from Nielsen and IDC, two powerhouses of research. Here we go. Nielsen claims that the average smartphone owner has more than 27 apps on their phone. Yet, IDC claims that 61% of Fortune 1000 companies have just three or fewer apps. Hmm, lots to <laughs> chew on there. Scott Bonnell, welcome. How are you today? Thanks, Bonnie. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thank you. Where are you, by the way? So I, I live in New York City, but today I'm dialing in from snowy Providence, Rhode Island. Okay, and I'm in snowy North Shore of Long Island, just outside <laughs> of the city. Oh, yeah, bitter, bitter cold, not too much snow, but it's pretty, I dare say that. Nobody's going to hit me. Scott, talk to me about this interesting, you've juxtaposed a stat from Nielsen with a stat from IDC, and we're looking at 27 apps on a personal phone and three or fewer in the Fortune 1000. How could this be, and is it important? What does it mean to us, Scott? Yeah, I think it's very important. I think it's, it's interesting and points to a, a gap, if you will. We have become an app society. I mean, the word Uber to me is now a verb. 
just like Google became a verb at the end of the 90s and Xerox before it. Uh, I use Uber to book cars. I use Seamless to order food. I book tables at restaurants with open table. I use Facebook for the uh, social networking. We've become an app-centric world. And, uh, you know, I'm not James T. Kirk. I'm no uh, advanced person, but I probably have 30 apps on my phone as well. But what's interesting is as app-centric as we've become, a lot of organizations simply haven't been able to mobilize their apps to empower their employees as well. Most of them do offer some kind of customer app, consumer-facing app, but when it comes to the people who work for these big organizations, they don't have the utility. They don't have the ease with which we have in the, in the consumer space to use apps. So what's happening is we continue to have outdated, automated processes. Uh, organizations think it's kind of sufficient to simply have uh, email and contacts on your phone, and we have a gap. If we can empower our employees at the point of engagement, whether that's from a sales perspective or a customer relationship perspective, if we can enable people, employees, to make real-time decisions with really valuable data using apps on our friendly mobile devices, we can really shift how business is done. And with some of the advances in technology that we'll talk about today and the, the goal of usability to make it an a, a enterprise app look like a consumer app, we have a real opportunity to shift how things are getting done. Scott, this is very, very interesting to me. My big question to you before we move on to our second panelist is, why are companies not more on board with apps to employer, employ their employees, engage their employees, empower their employees at what you call the point of engagement? Is this breaking news? Are they hiding under a rock? Are they too entrenched in legacy systems and layers and layers and layers of bureaucracy and budgeting to say, well, maybe next year, well, we'll put it on the five-year plan? What's taking them so long, Scott? So today, the security tale is wagging the mobility dog. Most organizations are terrified with all the hacks and breaches that you read about in the newspaper. No one wants to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal because they breach security. And mobile is a brave new world in terms of, you know, we talked about uh, the, the computing power of the iPhone. How about the number of iPhones or number of Android devices and smartphones? There's more smartphones on the planet than there are humans right now. And each one of those smartphones becomes a point of risk if you're a chief information security officer. So what's happened is security has been the problem. But now, as we're saying, with some of the advances in technology, we can actually provide that secure access to data, and we can protect it in a way that's not dissimilar from the way that I travel these days. I flew out to California last week from JFK, an airport you probably know dear and well, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to take my shoes off. I didn't have to take my little 311 bag out of my suitcase. I didn't have to take off my over my, my jacket. Now, five years ago, I would say, well, that's a lot less secure than you know what it used to happen. It used to be like a yep. full scan to get through. But it's because it's become transparent. Stronger security that's transparent is the fundamental starting point for a good user experience. And now we can deliver that for enterprise employees, and we need them to get on board. And we need them to work on doing this to empower their, uh, their employees. 
Thank you, Scott. Very well put. Appreciated. Let me bring on my second panelist. It's Adi Cavalier at Global Head of SAP Fiori Product Management and UX, User Experience Go-To-Market at SAP. And we have a great quote from Yogi Berra, the New York Yankees baseball legend, and this was said in 1974. The future is not what it used to be. There is another great one from Yogi Berra. Welcome, Adi. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Talk to me about this quote from Yogi Berra, one of our all-time favorites. Everything he says is, is kind of backwards and inside out and uh, no aspersions, casting no aspersions from the Wizard of Oz quote on Yogi. He did have a lot of brains and he did say a lot of good stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Adi. Tell me how this relates to our topic today. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And um, well, uh, I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm a big, big baseball fan. But uh, what I like in this quote and what I find it interesting is, is the uh, is an oxymoron that worked very well, at least for me and, and my perspective on the overall uh, the overall market. From my perspective, um, the, the rapid pace of technology evolves, and in particular, the mobile and cloud and, and all the most recent trends. Um, I, I just 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 find it kind of very very relevant. And looking on all those technologies and, and apps market, um, it, it just it just feels like like we are defining or redefining the future almost every day and um and I can easily build on what you started with with the iPhone and MIT example and 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 what actually Scott just just said so so for for my perspective um we are defining the the future and the future won't look like it it, it used to be almost every day right now um and that that that's pretty much it well, thank you very much. Scott, I'm going to bring you in to uh, talk about what do you think about this quote from Yogi Berra. Any thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, who would have ever thought that we would have a situation where I live in New York City and I never get into a yellow cab because I use Uber everywhere I go? Who would have ever thought that that would be the case, that the cost of a medallion in New York City has declined because people are using Uber so much? The future has, you know, it's such a different, brave new frontier from us. And I think where Adi has really focused his effort and and, um, and time is on this kind of center portion. Let me, let me explain. When I think of technology, I don't na- I don't necessarily think that it has. I didn't usually think that it had to be usable. I think it's like that it has to be functional. And what's happened in the past few years is you've had this big kind of revolt from people like millennials and even just normal people who are using apps to do their business. They have an expectation of what things should look and feel like. And if you kind of take a Venn diagram and overlap the IT goals with the line of business or the kind of consumer goals, that overlapping section is UX. And that's what's so interesting today because now UX has become the user experience, the user um, uh, look and feel and experience is what's driving innovation and investment in a lot of firms today. And that's where this kind of brave new world of opportunity is springing out of. Thank you very much, Scott. Owen from Comprise IT. Owen, I'm going to reread the quote from Wizard of Oz and ask you to talk about it. Here's the quote. Well, some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Welcome, Owen Pettiford. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Sorry about the uh, slight technical hiccup. No, we have hiccups all the time. This is live radio on the Internet, and we get it. So, Owen, uh, glad to have you on the panel, and uh, it's second time around on this quote. So I asked my other panelists, Scott and Adi, not to take anything personally about people doing an awful lot of talking, but they have a lot to say, and they're obviously very smart, as are you. So tell me why you picked this quote for the show today, please, Owen. 
Um, it's kind of one of my favourite quotes. Um, anyway, I mean, I, but I think it's particularly relevant around around this space where you get a lot of people talking a lot about you know that they want mobile and um, how it can change things. But when you really try and boil that down to getting people to chunk that up into you know what's the business case, how do I take that forward? How can I get the the CFO to sign off on this? You know, how do you turn um, you know clunky into dollars, or you know, how do you turn something being cool? cooler than, than it is today into dollars and um so a lot of people talk a lot about wanting stuff but then when you and that's why specifically why i've chosen the quote is when you get down to to turning that into a business case um you know i think that's what was, um, scott talked about why people weren't adopting that and i absolutely think security is is one of the the, the barriers to, to entry here where people are afraid of that security angle but even inside the firewall where you know, unshackling people from their their desks, even within the the corporate environment, should be a you know an easy task from a security perspective. People are still, um, you know, struggling to really you know turn or, or or imagine what the business case would be. And I guess that's my 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 concern is not. And and there's lots of there's lots of things uh, where we can drive drive efficiencies, we can drive compliance, we can do new things. But you know, I guess it's at what point do you stop? stop doing the talking and start using your brains to come up with a, a business case. Very well put. Thank you very much, Owen. Do you, do you agree with IDC that 61% of Fortune 1000s have three or fewer apps, but you're saying it's not just for the security, it's just the time hasn't come yet, it, they're getting on board, uh, it's budget issues, it's uh, legacy systems, it's maybe an inertia that the, the mobile revolution hasn't hit home yet, any of the above? Uh, I mean, I think they think they're all a part of it. I mean, I guess we have to recognise the economic climate um, we're living in. You know, certainly, certainly in, in Europe, you know, we're still struggling with uh, you know the economic downturn, and we have been. Uh, so, you know, the the budgets aren't there for you know just doing something to you know try something out. You know, there's a real focus on things needing a business case and a, and a, and a payback and and, these, uh, and and everything like that. And I guess people are asking the question, you know, is what we've got, you know, is it bad enough to do something new? And uh, and I think that, I think that inertia is definitely there. I mean, if we were having this conversation two years ago, I would have said there were technological challenges to still overcome. You know, did we all know exactly how it would all fit together? But I think they're, they're behind us. I think people know how to do it. Um, we're just struggling with, with then people, as they talking about wanting to do something, but then when there's a cost attached to needing to do that, yep. um, they're, they're struggling to put that business case together. There you go. Thank you very much. So we're going to focus on business case. Guess what, my panelists, it's time to ask you what's in your cup today. And what are, do you wish you're drinking if nothing too interesting is happening in your coffee cup or whatever you love to drink? So, Scott Bonnell at Mokana, I want to ask if you're drinking a mocha because it sounds like Mokana, but you told me before the show it means something in Sanskrit. What is it, Scott? Yeah, exactly. So, Mokana in Sanskrit means to liberate, to set free. So I think it's a very appropriate kind of theme and message for today's program, right? Free from your mm-hmm. desk, free to do uh, business wherever you want to do business, free to you know, empower people at the point of engagement, uh, free to do what needs to be done. So what are you drinking? Let's get down to business here. So, Bonnie, it, you know we're in the same climate. I'm in three feet of snow. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. I've been up since about six o'clock in snowsuit, jumping through uh, <laughs> all the <laughs> snow and everything. So it's uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, and I'm drinking a hot toddy. Oh, 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 oh. I think that's the first hot toddy we've had on any of our shows. Give us a quick recipe, Scott. What's in it? <laughs> Jameson and coffee. 
All right. Oh, wow. Oh, no wonder you sound so good. Okay. Way to start the morning. Thank you. Okay. Let's go to Adi Cavalier. Adi, where are you today and what are you drinking? Yeah, Palo Alto. And um, I'm trying to keep myself on the healthy, at least uh, on the exercise, at least uh, start a day like that. So um, I start my day with the uh, herbal tea with uh, with lemon and honey. I mean, I find that as a, as a good kickstart for the day. Um, and it's always followed by about 15 cups of coffee. Uh, so that's definitely not an amazing example, but I, I, I needed to keep going. So... Did yep. you really say 15 cups of coffee? Yeah, I think never. This is this is pretty bad, huh? <laughs> oh, well, it's very improved there, right? So very yeah. interesting. Keeps your heart going. I'm going to try one more time and ask if Owen is with us. Uh, Owen, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm back again. Sorry, I dropped again. Sorry. Okay, so Owen, what do you my... what? What's in your cup? What's in my cup? My cup is a it's just a very boring um, cup of water at the moment. But on the basis that when I finish this call, it'll nearly be. Um, bar o'clock in the UK, I will be going home to enjoy a uh, cup of my home-brewed cider. So oh, I have to quickly ask, how long does it take to make that cider? Is this a multi-month or multi-year process, or what, do you want to give a recipe away? It, it takes about six months to make a good cider, so start in September and have it drunk by Easter, so... That's, oh, okay. It's a holiday thing. Any special kind of, I assume it's apples? Uh, any special kind of apples yeah. go into the brew? No, no, I put it, it's just uh, common garden apples, whatever you can find. Uh, so it's a good, good form of recycling. That's what I tell my wife anyway. <laughs> okay, so we've got a we've got a heady brew of apple cider after the show, and we've got one panelist who's already uh, hitting the Jameson. I think that's really good. And then we've got another one with 15 cups of coffee a day. I have a good crew here. Guess what? I'm still Bonnie D. Gray. I'm very happy to be here hosting Digital World with Game Changers Radio. If you're keeping track, this is episode number two in one of our five new miniseries. Our topic today, mobile and user experience. We're, we're shorthanding that to UX, mobile and UX Exploring New Frontiers. My panelists are Scott Bonnell, VP of Corporate Development at Mokana, Owen Pettiford, founder and co-CEO at Comprise IT, and Adi Cavalier at SAP, Fiori Product Management, and UX Go to Market. Uh, we will be right back after the break. We're going to start a 30-minute roundtable. You don't want to miss this one. A lot of great stuff on the table here, a lot of good places to go on this topic. I know you're going to learn a lot. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Digital World with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You're listening to Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Digital World with Game Changers. Here we are. We're talking today about mobile and user experience, exploring new frontiers. Good conversation already. We're going to try for a 25 to 30-minute nonstop roundtable. I have three very good panelists who are certainly up on the topic and engaged. And let's kick off this discussion with Scott Bonnell. And, Scott, I'm looking at the notes you sent me before the show. Uh, let's look at this from the employee's perspective. So here's here's something from your notes, and I'll ask you to then expand it. You said, As the workforce becomes increasingly tech-savvy, employees' usability expectations have created a shadow IT economy using unsanctioned mobile apps on their personal phones. And here's the kicker. You say they have outpaced the IT department. I know this is an issue. I know it's been around for a long time, but it's probably escalating with the mobility revolution. So, Scott, why don't you take us there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fascinating point, right, because it's this consumerization of IT. You know, 20 years ago when I started working, I didn't have a home computer. The only computer I had was the computer in my office. So my experience for computing and for how I used the mouse and the keyboard was exclusively predicated on what I did when I was in the office. Fast forward 20 years to where we are today, and all of the apps that are at my fingertips, all of the... You know, the uh, uh, you know, apps that I can use on my touchscreen uh, computer at home. I mean, my kids are so tech-savvy now. It's incredible. But the problem is you can't delineate between the consumer at-home app experience and the enterprise computing experience anymore. My mind just doesn't work that way. When I get on Twitter and I can easily collaborate and share posts and links and tweets and whatnot, that's how I expect to collaborate. If you bring me into the office and I need to have some kind of monolithic, old-school, slow and cumbersome application to communicate and to collaborate, I'm not going to use it. And the difference today is I can get around the IT department. So I'll give you an example. Let's just say, hypothetically, I used to work for a company that had a painful monolithic expense management system. And this is when I I pay for things for the company and they need to reimburse me. Well, if I didn't like that system, it would be so easy for me to go to the app store and to download an app that enables me to take a picture of the receipt, put a few notes in, and then synchronize it or store an expense report in the cloud. And then I could send that expense report to my admin or something and get it put into the system eventually. So what I've done here is I've created a way for me to have a usable, friendly, easy-to-use app to to, uh, gather and tabulate my expenses. And where does that data go? The cloud, of course. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, I have no idea where that is. So when I take a picture of a receipt and I say, you know, meeting with uh, Joe and Bob about potential acquisition – and I sync that to the cloud, where is that data going? So this is the risk that organizations face when you don't enable me with usable tools within the office space, within the work world, I'm going to go around you and I'm going to use those friendly apps that are on available at my fingertips, many of which are free, to actually run my own processes. And that's the risk that the shadow IT creates, and it's a problem that's fueled largely by a poor user experience. 
Thank you, Scott. Owen, I know you're back with us on a better phone line. Owen, you want to weigh in on what Scott just put on the table for us about this shadow IT economy? What do you think? I think it's definitely a problem. And again, I guess from that from that security aspect. Um, but I think I think there are other other problems at play in terms of what's um, you know stopping people getting those consumer style apps um, to interact with their business processes. And, and and often it can be the business process itself. Something that's either you know is just a broken business process is is not joined up. So you know the reality of of, of behind an enterprise firewall is is is. I don't know whether often is the right, right term, but certainly I come across numbers of organizations that still do things in in very manual and cumbersome ways um, and are already working around those enterprise systems anyway. So, so a kind of real radical rethinking of the way people do their, do their jobs and how a process steps across the enterprise I think is needed. You know, and that's where processes like design thinking that just take us away from what I'm not trying to do is just take a screen that appears on my desktop and put that screen onto a mobile phone. You know, that just, you know, maybe that's going to work, but most times that's not going to work. You need to step back from the problem, figure out what the steps actually are in the process, and then you know, use the mobile device where it makes sense to be able to, you know, take the uh, take the latency out of the process. So, so I think there are fundamental problems around the way companies currently run business processes in a you know, just a really non, non-21st century way. Thank you. Very yeah. good point. Adi, do you want to chime in here? Adi, yeah, Kavler? But, yeah, absolutely. A few comments from my side, and then I agree with my, uh, with my colleagues here on the panel. But uh, so, so I think it's, uh, and this is based on hundreds, yeah, if not thousands of users and customers interviewed and, and learnings that, uh, that, that, we, that kind of we did in the last uh, few years. I mean, when we look about user-centric apps um, and trying to improve the overall user experience, so Owen mentioned the business processes. Um, I think that uh, what we heard from the users is that they, they don't care much about the business process. Actually, they're not necessarily even know where what is the is their role on the big picture of the of those different business processes. What they actually looking for, and and also build on this uh, on consumerization of IT. Scott ma- Scott mentioned. I mean, they they actually expect to have something very specific. Uh, they don't kind of find or, or see themselves spending the time trying to to figure out which functionality in the bigger uh, uh, business process they actually need. They want to, to that the companies will serve to them to the device the specific tasks and activities uh, that they need, and which, in, in other words, like pretty much the role they are playing. But uh, and, and and that's it. Like the serving or providing functionality um, uh, via a big business process on the mobile device uh, or on the desktop. I mean, we, we believe that those days are gone, and, and, and moving forward, we're looking more on the aggregation of those big business processes into tasks and activities represented by a very, again, task-specific kind of uh, lightweight apps on the device um, to, to be able to make everyone more efficient, more productive, um, and that, that's just, just our angle into that and what we learned from, from the market. No. Thank you. Scott, talk to yeah. us. I hear you. Well, you know, I, so I think we've, we've touched on three interesting issues here, the shadow IT economy, the broken, broken business process that create problems, and then this kind of lightweight kind of movement, if you will, uh, on the phone, all of which kind of points to the same point here. But, you know, uh, Owen brought up this uh, design thinking, 
And design thinking is kind of a new way to look at problems uh, in the business world. And it's basically, I'll test my memory here, I think there are three kind of elements of it. And the first one, which I think is fascinating, is empathy of the problem. So when I look at a problem, I need to be empathetic. And what empathy means, that's a good definition, is that I understand your problem to your satisfaction. So think about that for a second, right? This is your problem. Mm -hmm. It's not me trying to jury-rig a solution or what I think you need. It's me really understanding what you're having, what you're uh, experiencing. The second part is solution, looking at the right kind of solutions and being creative in how you can solve the problem. Looking to, you know, the, the traditional saying of thinking outside the box. You now understand the context of the problem. Where can you drive creativity around a solution? And then finally, I think the final, and only keep me honest here, but I think the final element is the kind of pragmatic rationality of evaluating what the right way to make a decision is, the implications, the trade-offs, and all that stuff being very pragmatic. But if you think about those three elements and how we're trying to solve problems, you can see how we're going deeper these days. We have more variables. The context has become more important. You know what Adi said, that this is what we did so horribly in the past. We thought we needed to take the entire you know, human resources application and put it on a phone. That's not what we need to do. We need to find ways to empower people to do what they need to do, when they need to do it, in a manner they're comfortable doing it. When I'm on my phone, we call it niche time. I'm frequently on my phone for 20 to 40 second bursts, and that's it. I put my phone down, I do whatever I need to do next. I rarely sit on my phone for 20 minutes and do anything. So I just want to bring up the design thinking that Owen brought forth, because I think it's a very important kind of element in, in, in looking for a solution to some of the problems we're stating. Indeed it is. Owen, chime in here. Thoughts? I'm not. I think it is. Um, it, I, I think I do think that the business process is, is is important for the for a business to make to make the business case for going mobile. So I think there's a perspective of the you know the actual end user who's going to get the user experience is is one piece of it. And obviously they just want to be involved in the business process at the point that they need to be involved or want to be involved in that process. But if the if the underlying um, you know end to end process isn't isn't joined up. Then all you've really achieved is to put, you know, um, something pretty trivial onto a, you know, onto a mobile device to, to that person. So if they can't really interact uh, in terms of, you know, higher value adding business processes, and I guess maybe I keep kind of broken record coming back to the coming back to the business case, you know. So the business case has got to make sense, you know. So if me doing that task on a mobile device is only going to save 25 cents, then it's going to be hard for me to make the business case around it. Whereas if I can make a if I can speed up a you know a quarter of a million pound um, business deal by doing something on a on a mobile device, then it's much easier to make my make my business case. So, so I think I think we need to it's it's, it's the the end to end design thinking, and then and then and then applying mobile to the the various actors that are involved in the process, so that they they individually get a great user experience, but it's their user experience. But but you know I guess I have this belief that it's got to be joined up into into something that's got a commercial value. Good point. Adi, you want to chime in here? Because when you're done commenting, I'm going to go back to Owen, and we're going to go in a slightly different direction. Adi, you want to wrap this yeah, one up? Yeah, just, just maybe one thing, um, and sure. pretty much build on uh, on what Scott said about the different app, different the different apps that we that, uh, that that we are building right now, and all this lightweight, user-centric and such. I think that we as the software vendors, um, in, in the enterprise market, generally speaking, I think that we invested a lot of building very smart uh, system, um, contextual applications that consider who you are, what's your role, 
I mean, th- these kind of systems are, are in the market for, for a while, and it's working very well, and it serves the users in, 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 in a great way and, and support all the business processes, pretty much as, as Owen already mentioned. I think that what the, the, the additional interesting angle that uh, the mobile devices can, can bring and bring those different apps to the mobile devices actually can can actually take this automation into into the next level and be and then make the system even smarter and serve the the users even more accurate things and tasks and all these different activities and and, uh, and notifications according to to the unique capabilities and take advantage of the unique capabilities of the mobile device like uh, where I, uh, my location, like um, uh, what's days today, um, uh, integrating with with all these different uh, different things that that comes with the mobile device. This can have another inter- <clears throat> interesting input into all those into all those systems that at the end of the day can can push to the users uh, uh, what they need in, in an even more accurate way that that uh, they served in the in the past. So uh, so definitely the the mobilization or consumerization of IT is is kind of bring like a new fashion, if you like, into those different uh, uh, apps. Thank you very much. Oh, and I want to go to something in your notes just briefly. We've touched a little bit on design thinking. Uh, Scott joined in on that one. I want to read something from your notes and just have you comment on it, and then we'll, we'll move on. You say, you asked the question, a good one, how responsive should or can we make a UX? And then you say, designing something that works on a 27-inch iMac as well as on a 4-inch iPhone is hard. And then you talk about the key is what is presented. Uh, questions of the cost, the performance, creating a design that doesn't work well, annoys people, holds them back. How, how much, how pervasive is this, Owen? What are you seeing? Um, I, I just think it's a, I guess at the moment, or I, I see we're at a, a changing point in terms of, of what, um, what we what we mean when we talk about that mobile device so you know we we've been talking a lot about the you know the phone being being that mm-hmm. mobile device but you know increasingly you know I mean who has a desktop on their machine on their on their desk anyway anymore you know maybe people have iMacs but even then people have got laptops they've got um they've got tablets they've got phablets we've got all of these different devices and 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 uh, and even you know devices that are not even going to have screens on them that are just going to be sensors or we're going to have watches so so we've got all these different devices and they've got to you know trying to create something that's going to work across all of them i think is just is just impossible so again it comes back to the design thinking to try and say well how do we design an architecture um you know where we can separate the 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 data that's involved in the process from the way that it's the way that it's delivered to the, to the end user screen so that people get a truly different um uh, different experience. You know, we just had a, just had an experience with with one project where you know the IT were absolutely passionate. This whole process had to work on a on a, on, a, on a mobile phone, so they were pushing for this uh, you know four inch um, user experience. And when we we got to the end of the first sprint, we we, we went to the users and they said, well, we're never going to do that part of the process on a four inch screen. It just doesn't make sense. We're going to do that on tablets. So you know, so take away your four inch screen and, and bring it back to us when you've got it working on a ten inch screen. So. So I think there's a um, there's going to be a revolution uh, over the next you know 18 months where not only we're going to have to cope with with what we think of as mobile phones, but all of those other devices that are going to come and hit us as well. So, which I think provides a great opportunity for you know getting getting even even lower latency into into processes where those decisions are being made by sensors or you know, instantaneously from a from a watch or something. 
Thank you. I'm I'm sitting here smiling, maybe even laughing, Owen, at the conversation because I'm sitting here on my uh, my radio studio desk here. I have two iMac 27 side by side. Next to them, I have a ThinkPad. I guess it's a 15 inch laptop connected to a 17 inch Dell screen. On the desk, I've got my three year old iPad where I'm in the Skype chat with the engineer. I've got two keyboards, two mice. I've got a tie line, a landline that's disconnected, and an iPhone 5s. All here in front me using a lot of them at the same time while I host the show. So talk about user experience. Woohoo! Here we are. I think, Adi, I think I need your 15 cups of coffee, but they don't let me have caffeine during the show. So there you go. Uh, Scott yeah, or Adi, I, do you have any... I, I, go ahead. I want to comment on what you just said, Bonnie. That's very... Yes. That's very first, it's fascinating uh, and very, <laughs> very impressive. Uh, but, uh, but the thing is that, and that's exactly the... I think that you made an, uh, an interesting point here, because you probably wouldn't expect that a lot of things that uh, that uh, very features rich on the desktop that that you need for for a certain purpose, right? You won't, you probably won't expect that thing to to be served on everything on the mobile device, right? You wouldn't mm-hmm. do it there. I mean, and this is why I, I kind of agree with uh, with what Owen said. I mean, the one size does not necessarily fit all. We have to look on on the case by case basis and and to be smart about like. What are we designing and serving into the mobile device? What kind of tasks and activities go there uh, versus things that it just simply doesn't make sense um, because of the, this trade-off be, between the, the, the feature and functions to the overall experience. And, and, and in, in some cases, if you need this very feature-rich environment to try to push in the device, it, it just won't cut it because you won't have a great user experience on the device. Um, in, in that specific case, right? So this is why to keep it on the on the larger form factors may make more make more sense. So uh, yeah, that might. Thank be you, thank you. I appreciate that, Scott. You have anything to chime in before I go to one more point from Adi's notes, Scott Bonnell? Yeah, no, I, I love the idea of horses for courses. I don't know if you ever heard that saying before. I did. You yes. know, you get yourself in a situation where you know we we tend to think of mobile as being monolithic itself. I want to have a tablet experience, a phone experience. What about, you know, wearables? What about watches and glasses? What about the console of your car? All of these various different kind of um, uh, screens, if you will, uh, provide great opportunity for optimized experience. But as Adi is saying, you need to be smart about this stuff. You don't have to put everything on there. No one wants a desktop computer on the dashboard of their car. It's overkill. So it's horses (laughs) for courses, which creates you know, to a certain degree, some complexity, because there isn't just build once and deploy everywhere, but it also creates an opportunity to really create a great experience around the form factor that you have available to you. Thank you very much. And now I want to move to a direction, a little comment that snuck into the conversation a little while ago. I'm looking at Adi's notes, and Adi, you say, everyone is talking about cloud, but does that mean that mobile is a thing of the past? And you go on to say, by providing mobile as a service, cloud and mobile become intertwined, and they're no longer two different technologies. Why don't you take us there, Adi? What do you see? Yeah, I think it's um, that uh, that we're talking mobile for for a while, as, as, as just put on my notes, and, and now everyone is talking like the cloud and the cloud era, and everyone's trying to move to the cloud, especially in the uh, like the enterprise uh, the enterprise market, and uh, and and again, like people kind of tend to think like, oh, so so is that that mobile? Just put mobile as, as something that um, that that belongs to the past, and actually, what we see is that. 
the the power of bringing those two things together. Um, I, I think that uh, with with the economics of um, of bring your own device and the explosion of so many different uh, different devices out there with so many different technologies and the big debate that is already uh, is, is is out there for a while about HTML5 versus native versus all of that. I think that by bringing the cloud and the mobile, that can definitely help um, software vendors to scale as well as to for customers um, or the consumers of these different apps to. Um, to to rapidly um, adopt all of that um, and with and then keep the cost on, on the low side. So so this is why for me it's not uh, from my perspective it's not contradicting. I think that this is very nicely uh, fits and mm-hmm. uh, mobile as a service and platform mobile platform as a service and, and so forth. I mean this is this is all can can work very very nicely together um, at, the, at the end of the day. Thank you. Good comment. Scott Bonnell, I know you have something to say about this. As always, yes. <laughs> when we look at, uh, we, excuse me, us in the, in the kind of IT space throw around the word app quite a lot, right? And uh, when I was talking to my wife yesterday about this show and I used the word app and she's like, you know, when I think of an app, I think of something on my phone. Well, obviously the origin of that is application, which is mm-hmm. a big kind of, you know, usually a multi-chair architecture app that you'd use like email, like HR, like customer relationship management, many of these apps are moving to the cloud. And so what that means is they're not going to be run on my data center. They're going to be hosted by a third party's data center. And so when you think about the app being hosted in a data center and you think about mobile, the tablets, the wearables, the, the, um, the kind of form factors as being the consumption model or the consumption entities, you think about how nimble and agile you can become, right? So to Adi's point, if you have cloud apps with a mobile cloud service in which your employees are securely accessing back-end data to make good decisions, you know, around, as I've I've been saying, this kind of point of engagement with customers and with uh, prospects and what have you, you have a really nimble opportunity there. You have a really nimble IT environment. And that's what I said at the onset of the call. That's the shift that we could affect. We could make people, we can make organizations execute and operate as efficiently as I do when I click a button and three minutes later I have an Uber car waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that. You made a comment, I think, earlier, Scott, about the price of the medallions, uh, the taxi medallions, because of Uber. Yes, exactly. they were up to about a million five, oh, a year or two ago, and right. now, now they're, like they're dealing. Lucky, yeah, I think you're lucky you can get 750 for them. I have some dear friends who own multiple medallions, and they're just the tears are rolling down their cheeks because these are part of part of estate planning. This is part of legacy for children. This is part of uh, what do I leave my kids? A medallion? Whoops, not what it used to be, but maybe it'll come back. Who knows? Let's see. I want to go one more place before we take a break. We're going to take a break in about three minutes, maybe. But I'd like to go in one other direction. We mentioned security at the beginning of the call and I'd like to revisit that because I know it's on everybody's mind. So Owen, I'm looking at your notes and here's a teaser you sent me. You say security, security, security. Yes, you do need to care. Talk to us just a little bit about that, Owen, please. Um, I, I think security is uh, is something that you know, many people, even in even in IT um, functions, don't understand IT security. So it's kind of a it's a specialism of a specialism of a specialism. 
um, and I think has been kind of pushed into or had been pushed into a, a kind of backroom um, piece. You know, the business weren't as aware of it. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the last year has, has given us enough hacking incidents that, that now it's definitely front and centre, you know, even in the business agenda, um, people in IT are having to, to recognise and understand security. Um, so I think, you know, you, you need to care, but, you know, you don't need to be frightened of it. You know, I think that it's, it, it, it's, um, it's an understood place to be, you know, and I think as we move into the, we talked about cloud early, you know, just because we're in the cloud doesn't mean security goes away. You know, you, if you're storing, mm-hmm. you know, sensitive information about deals you're doing in a CRM system that's in the cloud, you want to know that's securely accessible only by the people you want to access it. So, so, so security is something you need, you do need to worry about, but it's also, you know, not some, it's something to, something to, to, to tackle, I guess, rather than something to hide behind as an excuse not to move forward. Good point. Uh, Adi or Scott, you want to chime in on this and then we'll take a break? Either one? Scott, anything? Yeah, Adi? I, so I, I had a quick thing. So I, I, my background yeah. is actually in security, and security has a number of different elements. There's network security. There's identity management. Um, security and, and the kind of paranoia and concerns about security have been, uh, to, in many organizations, the fundamental obstacle to innovation. And so traditionally, you kind of need to choose between what we term as security and availability, right? Obviously, if you can go and just click a button and get into your bank account, it's very available, but not terribly secure. There's been a ton of thinking, a ton of investment, and a ton of, uh, of products that have come to market recently that enable people to, to not have to make that choice so significantly. I mentioned at the onset of the call the TSA example of how security has become transparent. When, to Owen's point, there's like a dark science around security within a lot of organizations. Many security-minded people now are thinking more in terms of enablement as opposed to protective. And what I mean by that is they recognize the need to not be the bottleneck as organizations look to deploy new services and opportunities. They realize they can't be the voice of no every time someone wants to innovate and do something creative. And there's a lot of investment happening in that space right now. So I think that pendulum is shifting as well. Thank you very much. Guess what? We're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, well, I have to give Scott and Owen and Adi a chance to polish off the crystal ball. I know they got it out of the attic or the back of the boat or wherever it is, trunk of the car, because we're going to be looking ahead. I like the year 2020 because it's just something we all say so much. We're going to be looking ahead to 2020 or whatever year, day, month, week, second or minute they see in the crystal ball on what the future of mobile and user experience will be. Are there any more new frontiers? coming at us that we will be exploring in the next Whatever the Future Brings. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to give a break to Scott Bonnell, Owen Pettiford, and Adi Cavalier, and we'll be right back in just about a minute. You don't want to miss the predictions. Brad out. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated, ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. 
Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Digital World with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Digital World with Game Changers. It is a digital world, and we are speaking with Game Changers today. Let's kick off our predictions round. We call it the Crystal Ball segment with Scott Bonnell at Mokana. Scott, what year, time, date, week, month, second can you see in the Crystal Ball? And why don't you take two minutes to give me your predictions about the future of mobile and user experience? Scott, go ahead. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm not, you know, obviously the best at predictions, but given the specificity, specificity in which you gave me, uh, August 7th, 2019, uh, we will have a <laughs> fundamental shift. I'm kidding, of course. So I think <laughs> I where it. things are going is uh, when I think about some of the kind of manual labor tasks that I see done on a day-to-day basis, when the guy comes, when the person comes to read my meter, they have this ruggedized device, which is a basic computer tablet, if you will, to read the device. It can't do anything else. It can't do email. It can't do all that other stuff. But it actually can read the meter and enable that person to type in what needs to be typed in to generate my bill for consumption and what have you. That's a fit-for-purpose device. Fit-for-purpose devices have you know, been uh, available for various different industries, but they haven't really penetrated the quote-unquote office workers' world. So today, we still use a general-purpose laptop. And as Audio and Owen have been discussing, we're trying to you know, continue to drive general purpose activity on tablets and mobile phones. Where I think we're going to go is more fit for purpose devices. It's not going to be the be all and end all tablet. It's going to be a fit for purpose device that makes sense based on the context of what you're doing. Whatever your business process is, whatever device or tablet is going to be optimized to enable you to get that done. And with that, it's going to drag in finally deeper adoption of what we call IoT, which is the Internet of Things, which is the car that is not only smart to know when you're backing up that you're going to run into something, but can help you optimize for traffic patterns, can help you, you know, adjust if, you're, if there's a problem with the car, can notify you if something needs to be done. And that's going to extend from cars into you know, devices, industrial devices, home entertainment systems, and so on. So again, if I look into the crystal ball, I think you're going to see fit-for-purpose devices that will be a part of the you know, traditional white-collar, if you will, uh, workforce, and you're going to have apps that are designed to use that and to, to leverage that, and you're going to see a, uh, a greater growth in the number of connected smart devices as IoT takes hold. Thank you very much, Scott at Mokana. Owen Pettifer to Comprise IT. Owen, what do you see in the crystal ball? What's the time frame? And share your predictions. You've got a full two minutes as well. So, so I think um, if I let's, let's go to 2020. I mean, I, I hope that what we'll see by 2020 is a, a position where we will finally see enterprises truly working together in an automated network. So where 
we still see you know people entering data into devices um, where actually that data doesn't need to be entered into that device by a human being because uh, you know a sensor or you know something about where that person is or what's happening in the world at that at that point in time the system will be able to infer that you know the, the thing has happened whatever that whatever that business event is so these business events triggering other business events and other business events and that happening you know down the supply chain so so when I do finally purchase my my car and drive out of the showroom there's a cascade of automated things going all the way back down the supply chain to you know somebody somebody shoveling more steel in a in a uh, in a mine in australia and and i think that's where i see a I see a potential for that to happen today and and i hope that five years will drive us to where um you know all of these inputs into systems are just not being done by human beings because that's not what human beings are you know best at doing human beings are best at taking information looking at predictions that are made on data and then making really smart decisions and, and being clever about that yeah so they don't need to be sitting there entering um, journal vouchers or deliveries or or typing stuff into devices so I think I you know build on what Scott said I think we'll see a um, you know, we'll just see devices embedded into things, and we'll just take for granted that they've got devices in them, and they're and they're telling, uh, you know, people about things that that we're doing. I and mean, I think that opens up a whole um, world around, you know, where where people are going to be around security and their information and how that information can be used, because they'll we'll be leaving this massive, you know, data trail behind us, both both personally and from a from a business perspective. But I think that's my my hope is that we see a much more you know, really joined up world and the the inefficiencies that really exist in the supply chains of every organization today are, uh, and, and have been squidged, you know, squidged down a lot, but can be really squidged down to some proper optimization that's, um, you know, controlled by, you know, pr predictive analytics combined with that Internet of Things, um, truly automating things that, that don't need human intervention. So perhaps it's Thank the Skynet you. of, uh, of our generation. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Adi Cavalera, I saved. Oh, we have about 90 seconds for you. That's Go ahead, okay. predictions. Okay. I the warned you. Being the last one that I can build on what other people said, right? So, um, so and I, kind of, I, I agree with uh, and I can uh, easily relate to what Owen and Scott said. So, again, so, system definitely will be smarter, predictive. Devices are going to be connected, many different apps, and, and, um, and, and all the automation already mentioned a couple of times. So, so I think just to add to what already already said, I think that the software vendors and, and customers that are able to to connect the dots of cloud, mobile, context aware, and, and all the other things already kind of mentioned, they are going to be in the in the most competitive in their respective markets. Uh, I think it's going to be a challenge, it's not going to be easy, but but it's necessary to take advantage of all of those different technologies. Um, so so that at the end of the day, the employees and the customers. And the customer can have a phenomenal experience to, to complete business processes, uh, uh, get the job done, and engage with uh, with brands with a delightful user experience. So uh, that that's uh, that would be my my prediction. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You three thankfully left me just enough time to close the show. We are very excited. In one hour from right now when we're off the air, I'm debuting another new series. It's called Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. We're coming back to cloud. Haven't had a show specifically about cloud in about two and a half years. So Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers live at noon Eastern. Tomorrow I'll be back with Coffee Break with Game Changers in the morning and the Customer Edge with Game Changers in the afternoon.
And we round out the week on Thursday morning with Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. A uh, special shout-out to my three wonderful panelists, Scott Bonnell at Mokana, Owen Pettiford at Comprise IT, and Adi Cavalier at SAP. Big shout-out to series sponsor. This is Digital World with Game Changers. This part of the series is sponsored by Phil Durbin at SAP. And a huge shout-out and thank you to Katie Mosier at SAP, tweeter extraordinaire, and my hero as far as uh, collecting guest information. Thank you, Katie, for the great best practices model. Thank you to Brad and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? I'm sure there's an app for that. Go out and be a game changer today. I'll see you in one hour with the debut of Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.